take a glance at Scott Cummings' record and you would be forgiven for thinking you were perusing the career of a full forward of the ilk of Lockett and Dunstall. Cummings kicked eight goals in his first game. He won a common medal. He kicked five or more goals 20 times and he is one of only 14 players to boot 14 goals in a game. Take a more detailed look at his career and you ask yourself, why only 128 games? Why four clubs? Answers, please, Scott. Well, it's probably you have to ask other people, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Essendon was uh, three years there, but had a couple of handy players coming through. I didn't have a great relationship with the coach. OK, uh, but the handy players were being Lloyd and yeah, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they went on to have fairly decent careers. <laughs> they did. Um, so, the coach was Sheeds. Yeah, coach was Sheeds, and... Um, you know, relationship wasn't wasn't strong there. He didn't really rate me as a as a footballer, I don't think. And um, he drafted you. Yeah. Well, well he didn't. Um, yeah. Noel Judkins and and the recruiting team probably did with his um, approval. But, mm -hmm. but you know, I had troubles understanding Kev, and um, he didn't know how to break through to me. Mm. Um, and um, but yeah, you know, I tried. I tried. I didn't want to leave the football club. I I tried to stay. Um, and was offered a, a contract at the 11th hour before the, the trade deadline and, um, and agreed to it over the phone. And um, then my manager rang me and, uh, um, and said, Porter's long, pick a club. I said, no, no, I've just, just spoken with them and uh, they've offered me a deal. And uh, he said, I don't think they expected you to accept that deal, um, uh, which you should have. And uh, it's Port Long Pier Club. We got 13 hours to decide. So that, that was, and that was the last I'd, I'd heard from Essendon, which was disappointing. But yeah. um, the way it was handled, and I'd never experienced anything like that, so I was pretty angry. But well, what was the problem between you and Chiefs? Um, it's, it's hard to put my finger. Did you on. work hard enough? It, oh, I thought so. Yeah. I mean, I've got this reputation, the fact that I didn't. But when I had to train, I trained. And when I did my weights, I would do my weights. And um, it's because you enjoy yourself. Off-field doesn't mean that you don't come and do the work when you have to. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't understand anything that, that Sheeds wanted from me. I'd go in and talk to him and I'd walk out confused. Mm. And when I thought that I'd given him the answers to, you know, and shown him what he wanted me to do, uh, it wasn't right. And so I just, it, w it was hard. And But I was only a young kid. Mm. I was just trying to find my way. You know, I'd moved out of mum and dad's house to, to, to Melbourne, which was frightening to me at the time. It took me probably four or five months to not want to go home. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's a difficult thing and it's a big time to grow up as well. So um, while I'm sitting there thinking maybe I don't understand what the coach is saying, maybe the coach is looking at me going, this bloke's got to grow up or this bloke's got to, mm. you know, do better or work harder maybe. But Well, was he, was he right about growing up and what was your behaviour like between games? You know, we'd go out after, you know, every game you'd go out with the boys and, um, you know, there was, a, there was a group of guys that, that showed me the, the ropes in, uh, in Melbourne and you'd go out and you'd have a good time. You'd go back to the footy club on a Saturday afternoon, a Saturday night, go and have a feed, social club, out to the, to the local haunts and um, away you'd go. And, but I'd never drank during the week, um, anything like that. I always finished on a, on a mm. Sunday. Um, so if you get one in, you get one in. But you just get a reputation for having fun. And when you are, when you do muck around and you have a good time and you and you and you like a laugh, those sorts of things just flow on from. They that. stay with you. Well, yeah, they yeah, stay yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. And I'd much rather be laughing though than being miserable. Yeah, you haven't been laughing much recently, but we'll nah. get to that. Um, the Essendon situation I can understand a bit because Port Adelaide were coming into the competition. Yeah. 
Essendon was able to get two draft picks in the in the top 30 in exchange for you, and those draft picks turned into Chris Heffernan and Jason Johnson. Premier so good players. Them, yeah, pretty good players. Yes. Yeah. Great. But you but, <laughs> but you had you had four clubs in nine years. Mm. What happened to Port Adelaide? I don't know. Um, I again had a good year in '97. Um, kicked a lot of goals, and then I just and. That pre-season, and we went away to London for our footy trip and, and um, might surprise you, might, but I put a couple of kilos on in that time. <laughs> and, um, and, and then I took my foot off the pedal. So that was, that was my fault. I, I took my foot off the pedal at, in pre-season, 97 going into the 98 season. And I just thought that it was just going to get better, as it did last year. You know, I've, I've gone from kicking 30-odd you know, goals to 70. Mm. And it's just going to keep getting better for me now because I'm getting a game every week. And, and I didn't do the work. I didn't do enough work. And so I hit a bit of a um, form slump in, in 98. And it was getting barraged from everywhere, um, media-wise. And people were coming for you. And I'm an idiot who read them. And I would and then get my back up and, and just handled it all wrong. Um, what, what's that mean? Well, I, I let people who don't pick the team, who, who I don't see and really have no relevance in my life, I let them decide my mood. Mm-hmm. I let them decide my mindset going into a game of footy. And you just can't do that. Yeah. These, these people aren't, you know, they're not important to how you go about your life. OK. Um, so you put Adelaide, you end up at West Coast, which is probably where you played your best footy. Yeah, you average, I, no doubt, yeah. yeah. You averaged three and a half goals a game at West Coast and won a Coleman medal. Under Mick Mouldhouse. And um, I grew up, you know, obviously in Perth, and when Mick came to uh, the Eagles in 1990, it was frightening to me as, an, mm. as a young kid coming through. I was so intimidated by him. I never met him. And um, so then when I got the, the call from Port Adelaide to tell me that I was a required player and, and not to worry about it, uh, <laughs> Required, you player was up. <laughs> required players, it's the players' equivalent of the coach having the full support yeah. of the board. You yeah. don't want that. Um, and um, they said, Mick's been, uh, Mick's been calling, he's interested. And uh, I said, well, what does it matter? I, I don't want to leave Port Adelaide. And, uh, and he, long story short, I spoke to Mick and he said, well, you know they're trying to trade you. I went, yeah, yeah, I know, Mick, I know. Um, yeah, sure, <laughs> I had no idea. But, uh, and then when I met with him, and um, as soon as I sat down with him, I just went, geez, how good is this bloke? Um, the best thing about Mick Mouldhouse is he understands what makes each individual tick and he'll go to the time. It's not a blanket rule. It's not a my way or the highway. It's, he'll sit down and understand what makes you tick to what makes you tick to what makes you... And he got me. He got me. He's, mm. And I know you might not have seen it very often, but he's got a wicked sense of humour, Mick. No, I haven't uh, seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's, got a, he's got a great sense of humour and as long as you know when to uh, to deliver that humour, then uh, you'll be OK. And, and I mean, he's, he's the best coach I had um, by a good stretch. Well, and the figures say that. Mm. I, mean, you, well, I enjoyed you, my footy. You won a Coleman medal at, uh, with the Eagles. And uh, in one period, Scotty, you kicked 14 goals one week, <laughs> quite won the next with one, and then 10. Yeah. I mean, they're the numbers of a bloke who's really good at his craft. Um, yeah, that was, the, that was the year later. That was 2000. And, um, yeah, that, oh, it was a good run. Um, that you know the, the night of fourteen at the Wacker, just the boys were just good, dominating, and, and we beat Adelaide by a lot. Um, the, the disappointing one, is, which I joke about now, is you know it's all about consistency and backing up. So to go to Geelong and kick one was mm. a great effort. I think Ben Graham kicked one too, so might be actually <laughs> net zero. Yeah. Um, but then the week after in the Derby um, was really good as well. So um, uh, yeah, a bit inconsistent, but yeah, good fun.
Then you finished... Mick obviously attracted you to Collingwood, your fourth yeah. club. Only played a half dozen games. Yeah. It was sort of over for you then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, uh, the disappointing was uh, disappointing thing was that when the Eagles um, delisted me, um, and the way that happened too was was disappointing, and I wasn't you know overly wrapped with that. And so they delisted me. So I had three months. I had to go get a mm. personal trainer, and it goes against everything I stand yeah, for. Yeah, right? You're yeah. going to pay someone to to flog you, and this guy was a. Tiny little man, um, but you know, ex SAS, ex Navy diver, was mad and got me in the best nick I've ever been in in my lifetime. And so came the the week of it was December draft for the recycled players. Then I trained with the pies and, and I was absolutely flying. But then um, yeah, and then I did my first hamstring ever round two of 2002, and, and it just started going from there. So I think I'd probably overloaded in that three month period, and unfortunately, um, yeah, couldn't get enough footy out. Tell me how you, how you look back on your playing career. I mean, the, those figures I quoted before, they are elite figures for a bloke playing full forward. Mm. Yet, I suspect that you should be dissatisfied with the end result of your career. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't live like that, though. I and mean, you can't live like that. If I sat back now and started going, what if this and what if that, what if that, I needed to have certain um, things in my life to be able to play the 128 games that I've played. If I, I went through stages where I said, right, I'm not going to drink all year. I'm not going to drink all year. I'm going to really knuckle down. I reckon I got four weeks in and couldn't touch the footy. I was miserable and couldn't get anywhere. And I'm not saying drinking makes me happy. I'm just yeah. saying that I needed a release. I needed an outlet somewhere, whether it's going out with the boys and, and having fun or uh, you know, going to the movies or having a drink here or going out for dinner. You, you need those sorts of things. I wasn't a live and breathe you know, the, I need to sleep with this football under my arm every night. Mm. And I need to watch game tape, and I need—I wasn't that sort of person. I needed a release. So if I went down that path, maybe I wouldn't have played 50 games because I would have fried myself. So I don't know. At the end of the day, um, you know, regrets are just right. not something I run I with. Accept that, and you've moved on. How would you describe your career in a word? Satisfying, fulfilment. What, what is there a? Um, I've never really thought about it, to be honest with you. Um, Solid. Yeah, solid, solid, yeah. Which is appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Cheap joke. I want to ask you Easy about when, when you went to Port Adelaide. You played in the first showdown. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. You're playing full forward yeah. for Port Adelaide. You're an average <laughs> you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, and you played on Rod Jamison. <laughs> yeah. Now, something happened that yeah. turned that confrontation into a brawl. Yeah. Yeah. Jamo's got a very short fuse. Well, he's, no, uh, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He's a good right. And Jamo and I were working together. Um, we were doing Monday and Friday slots on radio together uh, with 5AA, and I got it really well with him. They were under enormous amount of pressure coming into that game, Adelaide, about the, the new boys. And, and unless you're in Adelaide, I don't think people understand the complete hatred of these two supporter groups. So the pressure was on Adelaide. We were coming through as the guys who weren't supposed to do any good. And... Um, so there was a lot of niggle out there. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of pressure. And, um, again, might surprise you, uh, I didn't mind a chat. <laughs> I didn't mind saying a few things. And, but it wasn't me that said the final thing. That What the was the final thing? Well, I don't know what it was, but I know who it was well, who said it. No, Brendan Lade denies that. And Brendan Lade is a liar yeah. then. So let Brendan me tell you that right now. Because <laughs> Brendan Lade, he was the one behind me who said the last thing, you know, I can't remember what it was, but it ultimately resulted in me and my head and my jumper <laughs> and, uh, and fending off uppercuts. You're adamant that it was Brendan Lade and not you I'm that was the provocateur. Well, listen, I might have started a lot of it mm -hmm. and may have been the main contributor during most of it, 
But it was that big unit behind me who said something. I don't remember what it was either, but that was just that was turned around. I'm like, oh, that was him. <laughs> Jamison says he was offended that you were the new kid, first game in those colours, yeah. and you were mouthing off. That's... Yeah. Oh, fair enough too. Okay. And, you know, right. there's a bloke who's, who's stood up for his footy club and, and himself and wanted, to, um, and wanted to lay the rules. We just okay. didn't agree with him. Let's go to a more comfortable subject. What about podcasts? <laughs> now, podcasts between blokes who have come from a sporting background are generally the guys shooting the breeze. Yeah. Occasionally the breeze turns into a cyclone. Mm. And that's what happened to you recently yeah, with the um, hump day uh, program that you were doing with Dane Swan. Yep. It's thrown your life into confusion, hasn't it? Oh, it's thrown it um, into turmoil, yeah. to be perfectly honest, yeah. Um, now, the, you were perceived to have said things that were clearly demeaning to women. Mm -hmm. You tell me why they weren't. I mean, I've, I've seen the... Oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying they weren't. I'm not saying they weren't because at the time, and, and this is the disappointing thing I'm disappointing myself about, is that at the time I, I didn't see that they were well, demanding the because... You're on with Dane Swan and, Ralphie, Swanee and, and Ralphie, Ralphie Horowitz yeah. is the producer. Yeah, for some reason we started getting into um, a thing called Urban Dictionary. Mm. Um, so we didn't write any of the, the things that we said, but... Um, and and it's, it's basically um, made up sexual positions. Right. And um, so, yeah, you know, listeners got involved and, and we're having a, we're, we're laughing at the sheer ridiculousness. This is me and the time at the moment, mm. right? Laughing at the sheer ridiculousness of these, these things. And we'd actually say on each one, surely no one's doing this stuff. This is wrong. And, you know, how sick that is and the twisted. Um, and then when it all turned, turned pear-shaped... Um, what, that was how many days after the podcast? Oh, well, we'd done 21 shows. Yeah. Um, and there was one that upset um, some people. When you left the podcast that day, did you think that um, you were sitting on a time bomb or not? Not, and this is the thing I'm disappointed about, right? Because, no, I didn't, because I know what's in my head and I know it's in Swanee's and I know it's in Ralphie's. Um, I know that we meant... No harm. I, I, that, our intention was no harm at all. And we're laughing at the sheer ridiculousness of things. But when I saw it in writing, Mike, I, I felt crook in the guts. Because when you're saying something and you know it's in your head, you, you think, no, well, that's OK. I didn't mean anything bad like that. And when I saw it in the, the paper, not the first couple of articles that were just, you know, uh, that, that set it all off, but one where we actually, actually got quoted um, correctly, I felt sick. I, I read it and just went... Oh my God, that sounds just terrible, and I was embarrassed and um, and ashamed. And you know, since that point, I've I've had to educate myself on on um, on the issue. To be linked to domestic violence or, mm. or sexual assault, when I like, I hope I'm like you know, 98 percent of men. Um, you know, I wish it was 100, but the numbers say it's not. To find it so abhorrent, so vile, and, and so cowardly to, to assault women in any way, whether it's you know, physical violence or sexual violence or verbally or financially, and, and the, it, it's it's horrible. And if one person, if one person thought what we were saying was a good idea to do, well, that's one too many, and I've stuffed mm. up big time, mm. which I've accepted um, and I've apologised for, and. Uh, Unreservedly apologised. That was for. the apology on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. It was everywhere. It was, you know. And I haven't 
touch Twitter since. And that, was, that wasn't just... one of those, oh, if you're offended, I apologise. That was a heartfelt... Yeah, no, it was. I, I was distraught. I, I, that day I'd, um, I'd flown to Adelaide to, to go to work and um, I found myself sitting at the, below the office and I couldn't go in and face anyone in the office and I just uh, rang a couple of people and said, look, I'm, I'm going to go home. So I booked my own flight and just returned back to Melbourne and, and locked myself in my room for probably four or five days. Did you? So it, was, it, was, it was the darkest period of my life by a mile. Yeah, I can understand so that. People, you, know, you want people to understand that um, when you go after people like this because they've made a mistake, and I, I fully accept I made a mistake, the ramifications are big. Mm. Oh, they're big. Mm. Well, you lost your job at 3AW. Yeah. yeah. Um, is your normal Monday to Friday job, was that in any jeopardy? Huge. Yeah. Huge jeopardy. Is that settled now? Yeah, we've come to a conclusion on that. Okay. So, uh, I'll, but let me I'll say, let me work. But that was that was enormous. I lost Croc Media as well. Croc Media, yeah. So yeah. you know, lost a lot. And the other thing that that I've just learnt recently, I mean, which staggered me, that you lost your job as the coach of one of your boys under twelve mm. footy teams. Mm. How did that feel? I mean, that's almost oh. the most humiliating of the lot. Oh, isn't it? it probably hurt me the most. Yeah. Yeah, because I. Um, because I love those little blokes. They're just they're awesome kids, and they're having a really they were having a really tough year. They hadn't won a game, but their improvement from round one to, to where we got to was just enormous. So proud of them, so proud of them, and, and they meant a lot to me. Um, so to have um, you know, apparently it was a, a split committee. Mm. Um, to have people who who, who don't know me, um, who have, have read what they've read, decide that was really hurt. Really hurt me. So the secretary rang you? Is that no, the president. President. president um, they came and saw me. Yeah. And um, president and acting uh, president of the, of the sports club that embodies it all. They came and sat down and had a chat. Said, "Look, it's probably not going to go your way if it gets escalated." I said, "You know, what do you want to do?" You know, I said, "Well, it's under 12 footy. Let's you know, leave the boys alone. Let's mm. yeah, if you want me to go, I'll go." So, um, but that you know, enormous support from the the parent group was which was phenomenal. Um, and that helped a lot, but that, that was probably one of the biggest kicks in the guts. Yeah. Yeah. How did you explain? How did you explain that to your boy? Um, well, I had no choice but to say, "Listen, well, I've, I've stuffed up," and I did address the boys as well. I say, "Look, I'm, I'm not quitting on you. I don't want to leave you, but I've made a big mistake. All right, and I've said some things I didn't mean to say, and I'm, I'm going to pay a big price for it. Mm. And I'm really sorry, fellas." So I had to take ownership. These boys need to know, and that's probably part of the learning curve for me, but also for them. These are 11, 11 year old boys. But it starts there. Mm. It starts there. Mm. And uh, so they, they need to know that I'd, I'd made a big mistake, and, uh, but I'm owning my mistake and, and, we, and we get on with it. What did Naomi, your wife, happen to say? Uh, um, I'm sorry, it's, I know it's painful. No, no. It's just, but... All the other stuff I can talk about, like losing OW, losing Croc. This is um, this is a disappointing bit. You know. My wife having to deal with that upsets me. Mm. Um, family that upset me. I can understand that. I mean, my view of Scotty Cummings has always been: you're like Billy Brownless, you're a big cuddly teddy bear. Mm. Uh, mm. You can run off at the mouth, but there's never no, any malice in it. No. And I think you're sort of sitting now, even still, sort of saying, how did I end up uh, in this firestorm? Yeah. Well, I put myself there, but I didn't mean to. Mm. And um, 
but yeah, but my wife's she's the staunchest woman in the world. I just she's when so she, strong. When she first heard though what she'd said, what was her reaction then? Um, she'd probably said for a couple of weeks. She goes, "You're getting a bit, you're getting a bit loose. It's, it's getting a bit loose. Um, you probably should, you know, pull up." I said, "Oh, you know, I'm <laughs> just having fun. It's just a joke, you know." Um, but um, no, but she, she is she's the most amazing, amazing human being in the world. She's, she's a strong girl, and um, she was more upset that. Because you know, obviously no one knows her me more than, than mm, she does, mm. so she was upset. And she saw how, how hard I was working this year, and and uh, so she she was upset that people could flip our lives on its head so quickly, mm. so brutally. Mm. Um, so she was upset about that, and then of course she was worried about you know, financial position and all that sort of thing. Um, but um, she wouldn't have got through without. No, she's been a star. So you did. You stayed at home. You just wrapped yourself. Yeah. Well, like I said, I locked myself in my room yeah. for four or five days. I'd, Literally. You yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't. Barely left my bedroom. Um, just stood there. Just sat there. Um, reading messages from so many people. Mm. Uh, that make you feel better, obviously. Oh yeah. And some just left you in tears. Yeah. Um, you know, when you go through something like this, you know, um, you know your mates. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't, I don't. I hope this comes out the right way. I didn't know I had that many. My support was phenomenal, and uh, words from people. I, thought this, you know, I was reading some of it, just left me in tears. Just mm. people me... do like you though. Even well, I though, found even that though out. you can. Flip... <laughs> yeah, I think um, I've certainly found that out. You know that um, I've got a, you know, a lot of people in my corner and. Mm. Um, and she's like, well, I would have been in you know, a lot of trouble without it mm. uh, because my phone didn't stop. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to look at. It. I didn't want to address it. I didn't want to look at things. I couldn't speak to my mum for two weeks. Yeah. What was she? She I was, was, really I was ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to talk to her. Isn't it? It's. Um, I knew it took a toll on you, but it's. Really, oh yeah. It's cut you deeply, hasn't it? Mm, big time. Last one on this. A bloke called Justin Smith, who you know, you were sort of, going yeah. through your association at 3AW, wrote this in a really scathing column. The problem was normalising rape as a legitimate sexual activity. Right, that's one. And down, further down, it makes the Cummings apology look completely worthless. Mm. You read that column. Yeah. How'd that make you feel? Well, it was, it was four weeks after it all happened. Um, and so for the first two weeks, like I said, I was broken. And then for that next two weeks, I've got myself off the mat and I'm going, no, no, this is, this is not going to define me. I will fix this. I will, I'm going to start being positive again. Uh, I'll start being myself again. And then at the end of that two weeks, I was going to a uh, uh, charity golf day and, and helping out um, Scotty Waters at, at Life Changer and uh, doing the auction there for him after the round and... And I woke up in the morning and I had a message from 
from Swanee, who was... Dane Swan. Yeah, yeah, who, was, yeah. who was struggling over there in, in Europe in summer. <laughs> and uh, and uh, asking, uh, you know, who the hell is Justin Smith? And as soon as I just read that, I'm just going, oh, what, what now? No, it can't be there. There's nothing more. And, and I'll get an article like that um, suggesting, you know, I need to find out what sort of man I am. Mm. Well... And to, to apologise, I, I read the article and I said, I'm not sure what more he wants from me, this mm. bloke. I, I've unreservedly apologised. Um, I've lost most things. Mm. Um, I am sorry. Um, and I'm going to educate myself on, on these things. How do you do that? I went and met with Domestic Violence Victoria. I met with Our Watch and I've met with White Ribbon. And I've just started a course with White Ribbon. Um, finished the first, first part of that course learning about the numbers and the statistics. Mm. I'm doing these things, not because, not because I want to make people believe that I'm, yeah. I'm doing my best. I, I want to know. I, want to enter, I, I'm, I was clearly ignorant on the, on, the, on the issues, so I'm doing something about it. Mm. And so when I read that, I'm just going, I'm not sure what more this bloke wants from me. Did you ring him? No. Well, he didn't ring me. You mentioned Swanee's... Swanning around in Europe, or nah. has, been, has been. He's been swanny. How was yes? <laughs> how was his reaction? What, how did he interpret all this? Oh, uh, Swanee. Swanee's a good man. He's a good man. He he um he was disappointed, obviously, with what's happened, and he got angry with what's happened um, because he knows he knows as well um, how he feels about it. He knows what he thinks about it, um, and he. Just well, he's not. He refuses to link himself to that because he, he's not a perpetrator, or he's. And mm. It's pretty hard to speak for him. But I. I but Swanee is. Swanee's a pretty relaxed unit, and he's a good man. Let me talk to you about Pucker Up. Um, Kevin crying again. Pucker Up taught me how to cry. <laughs> well, it's it's something that I think you got involved with coincidentally. Well, it is yeah. you. You've been involved in that longer than this other yeah. um, uh, storm. Um, Wayne Swass is the principal of Pucker Up. Wayne Swass says. You are an ignorant prick, right? <laughs> and you know what? In the same sense, he says he loves you. Yeah. He says he genuinely loves you, and the things that you've contributed to Pucker Up, which focuses on on mental health. Yeah. Corey McKernan rang me and asked me about a golf day and for Pucker Up. I said, "Oh, mate, I'd love to. Yeah, whatever I can do to to help, I'll be there." And um, and he told me the day couldn't do it, and he said, oh, "I said, what else you got? Yeah, you know, if I can help, Swatter, just let me know." And he goes, "Oh, I've got something else. You might not be interested." Um, we're riding from Sydney to Melbourne. I said, riding what? And he said, riding push bikes. I thought, hang on, you know what? I'm not out of this. Let me talk to Swatter and I'll, um, I'll get back to you. And he said, I was looking for that next year. I need something to work towards. Yep. Otherwise, I might let myself go a little more. <laughs> and um, I rang Swatter and we spoke for probably 20 minutes. And I started, he started telling me what he's doing and why he's doing it and that sort of thing. And I reckon within eight minutes he got me. I was in. This is on the suicide. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they start talking about mental health, and um, I'm sitting there going, "Geez, I know nothing about this. I know nothing." And he, he explained to me. And the one thing that got me more than anything is that he said that for you know 12 of his 14-year football career, which was a great career, he um, he couldn't tell anyone, and he was battling mm. depression. He mm. was suicidal, but he couldn't talk to anyone at his footy club in fear of judgment because. We were, and I would have been exactly the same uh, to those, you know, those other players that we were taught in our in growing up to harden up, toughen yeah. up, 
Don't tell me your problems. You know, you've got no, you're nothing wrong with you. Come on. And you, you believed that, though, didn't you? I did. Because yeah. that's... And we, I was taught in by, by football, I guess, in, a, in that environment. And we'd go to any sport and, um, you know, to stop being a pussy. Harden up. You've got nothing wrong with it. Mm. And I stopped and thought, if one of my teammates, and as you've discussed, I've had a lot, um, committed suicide because he couldn't come and mm. talk to one of his mates... I'm not sure how you live with that. Swatter says, good men can make the occasional bad decision. Mm. I hope I speak for most people in football. You are a good person and people like you and bad, bad things can happen. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm with you, mate. I hope that um, you emerge from this with your old dignity and <laughs> with your old enthusiasm. Thank you, mate. And I appreciate your honesty. Mm. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks for making me cry. <laughs> this has been a Fox Sports production.